0: This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast, podcast. AEW moving to TBS in 2022. The Velveteen Dream has been released from WWE along with a handful of some other sorry motherfuckers. The Young Bucks slap Sammy Guevara with a cease and desist on his own show. And it's MDK all fucking day. I'm your host Seth Grimes and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast
1: Podcast.
0: It's official. AEW is moving stations. Starting in 2022, AEW is going to be moving its show Dynamite and another show Rampage over to TBS, the Superstation. Do they still call it that? I don't know. Check out this clip with AEW president and big, huge nerd Tony Khan talking about the big move. Check this out.
2: All right, breaking news here on Busted Open. We have president and owner Tony Khan with us of AEW, and he has some breaking news for the Busted Open Nation.
3: So I have renegotiated our contract with TNT and TBS, and we have made a great agreement, and uh, I'm very excited about it. In 2020, first of all, we're launching a third hour of of wrestling that I've talked about a lot. It'll be Mm. Friday nights at 10 p.m., uh, it will be in addition to Dynamite on Wednesdays 8 to 10. So we're launching a thir- a show called Rampage. I'm really excited wow. about it and I wanted to do it for a long time. And it was part of our original extension over a year ago. So we're doing another show Friday nights, 10 p.m. called Rampage. And we'll continue doing Dynamite Wednesdays 8 to 10. So very excited about Rampage at 10 on Friday nights. And actually, uh, in 2022... We will be moving to TBS with both shows in 2022. Dynamite and Rampage in 2022 will wow. go to TBS. But we will not be leaving TNT because we're adding another great thing for the wrestling fans quarterly, and I'm not sure which night they'll be on, but you know, in the past there have been great supercard specials for wrestling fans like Clash of the Champions or Saturday night's main event, the main event, the Battle of the Belts. We're going to have our own supercard specials series and we're gonna have quarterly super cards still on tnt which was another part of this great deal uh that we worked out with warner media so it's huge news with another show coming to friday nights 10 p.m and both shows will be finding a great home on tbs
0: this is really good news for aew you know i've been on here before talking about how i do worry that when uh dues come up and it's time to renew and talk business That because the buddy that Tony Khan had in TNT no longer is in that position to where they can just do their little buddy-buddy deal that, you know, I, I worry that AEW could lose their TV spot because if they lose their TV spot... They lose everything. Look at Impact. Impact, at one time, was the number two company in the United States. It was the number two company in the world, possibly. It had national TV clearance. Spike TV was all over the place. Same station that Monday Night Raw was on at one point. And look how far they've dropped. Changing TV stations, changing time slots, changing days of the week, changing ownership, changing their name. Blah, 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 blah. But this is a really good move for AEW. I see a lot of people online hating, as haters will do. And there's certainly a lot of AEW haters. So naturally, they're going to look at any little thing they read and go, ha ha. Like Nelson, you know, from The Simpsons. You know, Nelson, the bully guy from anyway. But this is not a bad thing. I don't even know where you're getting that from. Because on all levels, this is a good thing. So unless you're just looking at it from the perspective of TNT doesn't want them on their network anymore, or uh, like it's a demotion or something to that effect, just changing stations, you look at that as a bad thing, then, you know, to each his own. But in actuality, TNT doesn't have as many viewers, uh, or doesn't have as much, it's not in as many homes as TBS is. TBS has the potential to reach more people than TNT does. Now, certainly TNT, I would say, is perceived as maybe the bigger station, even though it's not really, um, or the more elite station. No pun intended, due to you know the basketball deals and now the NHL coming in. We just talked about this a couple weeks ago with the NHL, the big news hit with the NHL deal, and that's where I voiced my concern. You know, are they going to get bumped or whatever? they're not getting bumped they're getting moved over to tbs instead of hockey being on tbs aew will be on tbs now they're not going to get bumped for sports they're not going to get bumped for basketball they're not going to get bumped for hockey when that comes on to turner networks they're going to be able to just live and exist on wednesday nights at their time slot of eight o'clock and just thrive not only that they're getting another show this was already built into their previous deal Tony Khan actually mentioned in this interview that uh, Turner brought up the idea of doing Dynamite as a three-hour show. And Tony Khan was very against that. He was adamant that it needed to be, if we're going to do another hour, that it needs to be its own separate hour. Which, to me, can be taken as good or bad. Uh, Obviously, none of us want to watch a three-hour Dynamite. We just don't. A three-hour show is too much. I used to like the specials. Raw used to, before they went to three hours full-time, they would do these three-hour specials from time to time they would do, you know, Legends Night or whatever it was called would be a 3-hour special or you know, SmackDown's on the roster tonight too, so it's a super show, 3-hour super show. Every once in a while those were fun, so I didn't mind that. But a 3-hour show every single week is just too goddamn much. 2 hours flies by. 3 hours is death. So 2-hour Dynamite, 1-hour Rampage. Rampage is not going to be a B-level show. It's not going to be dark. It's not going to be Dark Jr., not Dark Elevation, not Dark the Third. It will exist as its own main brand content. I'll watch it. Probably not live. You know, Friday night's a hard time to get live viewership. Um, They're going to be on after SmackDown, so they're not competing with SmackDown. SmackDown will actually lead in to AEW. Of course, not on the same channel, but hey... You know, you're already sitting down watching wrestling for two hours, flip the channel, you get another hour with AEW. So a lot of fans will appreciate that, except for the AEW haters, of course. Plus, they're still on TNT. They're going to do the quarterly uh, specials now, similar to Clash of Champions or Saturday Night's Main Event, or the specials that they do now, Winter is Coming, Beach Break, uh, Blood and Guts. All of those are... What we would consider specials, you know, Tony Khan's talked about we only do four pay per views a year, we only want to do four pay per views a year. Uh, the rest of it is got to go to TV, we want to make the TV product special too, so we're going to do special events on TV. Now it seems like it, they're already built into the format, so it doesn't, it's not really going to be anything new. It's just going to be in addition to. We'll still get a Dynamite that week. We'll just get a bonus special as well. And those are going to stay on TNT. So we're going to get them on TNT. We're going to get another hour on Friday night. All of this is more money for AEW. That quarterly special was not built into their previous agreement. So because they had to move stations. Remember Tony Khan said we covered this a couple weeks ago. Uh, He had said when the NHL was picked up by Turner. Or Time Warner, or whatever you want to call the company, he there was speculation. How's this going to affect AEW? Tony Khan said outright, you know, uh, I'm open. You know, I'm open to conversations if the deal is good, the deal is right for AEW, because he had a contract with TNT. He could have said, "No, fuck you guys, we signed a contract." But of course, you don't want to say that to the network because then they're going to say, "No, fuck you guys" when it comes time to renew. So you got to work with them a little bit. And really, this is a great deal for everybody. Is TBS perceived as a lesser station? Yes. So for AEW haters, is this going to make them perceive this as a demotion for AEW? Yes. Is AEW losing anything at all in this deal? No. They're gaining money. They're gaining exposure in more households. And they're gaining an additional show. So I would say... It all kind of worked out for AEW, and people are just reading into this the way that they want to, to spin the narrative how they want to. But those, my friends, are the facts as they stand today. Of course, the TV media market is rapidly changing, um, and, and there are some things going on right now behind the scenes in the TV world that can still affect AEW in the future, but um, Tony Khan kind of hinted at this, you know, um, that that the industry is shaking up, but he's in a fortunate position, he said, to be one of the top, uh, you know, they're one of the top draws on on Turner, Time Warner TV. Warner Media is up for sale, as a matter of fact, but I wanted to throw that out there because this is an ever-changing environment, and it kind of makes my dick hard, to be honest with you, just digging into all of these mergers and buyouts and Reformations and stuff. The streaming, the TV industry, all of it just gets my cock hard. So, thought I'd share it with you. And, of course, AEW, congrats to them on their new New Deal. Despite what all the haters will tell you. Representing that murder-death-kill gang. Hate Club. Eastern Block. Gang-affiliated. MDK all fucking day. The Man. The king. The fucking god of this shit. Nick fucking Gage. How'd you like that? Wasn't that some shit? Nick Gage has made quite the fucking name for himself in the last week, has he not? With his appearance on Dark Side of the Ring, and then he's been all over the podcast circuit. Uh, He did a podcast with Ron Funches, which is very interesting and a little bit awkward to be honest with you and then he appeared on chris van vliet's podcast insight i was fucking blown away like it was interesting that he got the dark side of the ring treatment but i didn't think he was gonna be on like chris van vliet's podcast this guy interviewed the rock if you didn't know so i was super blown away when i heard that and i immediately jumped on it and hit play You know, I knew of Nick Gage prior to all of this shit. Uh, I've actually known his name for probably 10 years, just watching old CZW videos and shit. But I I really didn't think much of him other than CZW guy. Barbed wire, light tubes, just, you know, a fucking, just a garbage wrestler guy, to be honest with you. But, uh, man, after The Dark Side of the Ring... After hearing this interview with Chris Van Vliet, I got to tell you, I have a little bit of love and respect for the man. And I think you will, too. Check out this clip of him talking with Chris about nearly murdering David Arquette. What kind of backlash yeah. did you
4: receive after the David Arquette match?
5: Um, well, I never go on the internet, so I don't even know, man. Because, <laughs> I
4: mean, that became a mainstream yeah. thing.
5: Yeah, it was on TMZ. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, my wife's like you're on you're on TMZ. I was like, no, I'm not. And then when I was on TMZ, you know, I took it. You know what I? It, you know he he needed to stick to the script. You know what I mean? And he went off the script and shit like that. You know, it wasn't my fault. Listen, I'm very good at what I do in deathmatch wrestling, and I know how to do things to take care of you. It might look like you are fucking getting hurt and you're getting crushed, but really, like I know how to do things that won't hurt you as bad as. If I do it the right, the real way, you know. Do you think he just got scared? Um. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, your pizza um, cutting
4: his forehead, and then your pizza cutting yeah. his mouth.
5: Yeah, but just relax. You know, you're not the first guy. I said, you know,
4: that's. I mean, think about that. It's yeah. tough to relax when someone has a pizza cutter in your forehead.
5: Yeah, but he already knows, man. You know, we had this discussion already. You know what I mean? It's, you know, it's it's entertainment, man. I'm not gonna cut your frigging thing open. But if you're going to move your mouth open like this, when I tell you to stand still, relax. You know, wow. I'm entertaining. My heart's racing. so have been thinking about you this. Know? You know, that's yeah. all I'm going
4: to do. So how did he get the light tube in his neck?
5: Uh, he spun and tried to shoot a double on me. Yeah. And I had the glass in my hand where I was going to, you know, I know what I'm doing, man. You know what I mean? And when he sp- when I was here, he spun and it went in his neck. And at first, I was like, damn, did I just kill David Arquette? That was my first thought in my head, right? Do you think he knew what he was getting himself into? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I think he was doing it for, for the documentary. I didn't even know he was shooting a documentary. I tried to explain to him, man, all oh, this shit's real, man. This glass is real. This shit's real. I think he fucking, when I started turning it up a notch, I think he started like, oh, whoa, wait a minute. you know, Is this, well, guy, I take, think- is this guy taking liberties on me or whatever? But no, I'm just going in, man. You know, what am I supposed to do? Take it easy on the actor, and then I got to wrestle freaking G-Raver, Alex Colon, or Schlack, or, or, or any of the awesome, crazy deathmatch guys. Yeah, And and then go in on them. You know what I mean? So like you I, treated him like you treated everybody absolutely. else. Absolutely. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, again, I mean, like, I knew of the guy, but I didn't know the guy. Now I feel like I know the guy. Now I know his full story from Dark Side of the Ring, which they did an incredible job. Uh, he had said in these interviews that he was a little bit nervous uh, that they were doing that. You know, he's he's a wrestling fan. He's aware of the Dark Side of the Ring. He's aware of what they do. Uh, he was willing to do the show, but he was nervous because he put his heart on the line for it. He put everything out there and kind of put it in their hands, and they could have really did a hit piece on him. Look at this fucking junkies, criminal garbage wrestling fucking moron, but they didn't, they did it classy. They did, they, they treated him well in the episode. I think they did more for his career than against him for sure. Just the awareness that they put out there. And then the podcast circuit that preceded it, not just, I mean, you got to look at this. All of this has an echo effect, you know, not just like this podcast here, but like you look at, you know, there's Conrad Thompson's Dark Side of the Podcast. Then you got Chris Van Vliet hitting Nick up and being like, Hey man, you got a show out? Come on and talk about it. You got Ron Funches, the fucking comedian, going, Hey man, come on and talk about it. He probably did a couple other interviews that I wasn't able to catch. Um, then you got you know people reviewing the dark side of the the ring uh, TV show on their YouTube or podcast or whatever. So Nick Gage's name is now out there to the masses, and I think it's there to stay. I think it's only up for Nick Gage. He's been in this co- he's been in this business for many years already. You would think he's close to the end of it. He's about forty, so he's definitely not a spring chicken. But he's got a program he's working with Moxley. If uh, there's a video out there floating around of Moxley interrupting Nick Gage after his win, going out there and fucking dropping him on his head on top of a bunch of light tubes. So they're going to be working a program, apparently, which Moxley has enough name value at this point to where Nick Gage in the garbage wrestling matches are not going to bring Moxley down. Moxley is going to bring up Nick Gage. And they're going to have a hell of a fucking fight. And I hope if I was John Moxley, I'd put a fucking pizza cutter in my pocket. Wouldn't even tell him about it. I'd just bust it out in the middle of the match and be like, Yeah, motherfucker! What now, bitch? Apparently that pizza cutter is a Nick Gage specialty as he uh, took it to David Arquette as well. David Arquette, you know, going back to the clip now. Um, and I'm just all over the place on this one. It doesn't fucking matter. Don't worry about it. It's Nick Gage time. But David Arquette was like, Told him up front, like, dude, just don't cut me. Whatever you do, like, I got to, you know, I'm I'm an actor. You know, my the way my face looks is important. And Nick Gage said, yeah, sure, dude, whatever. And then went out there and fucking carved him up with a pizza cutter. Now, if you've played with a pizza cutter in the past, you know, it barely fucking cuts pizza, let alone human flesh. They're not that sharp. But if you put enough pressure into it, you can carve somebody up. Now, Nick Gage maintains that he knows what the fuck he's doing. That just, just, I'm a pro, bro. Like, I know how to do it without hurting you. Just fucking let me do my thing. And he maintains that, you know, that, that our cat panicked. Like, our cat said in Dark Side of the Ring, I told him not to cut me and he starts cutting me. So I freaked out. And he did. He was cutting him. He had the light tube on his face and shit. And it was that freak out in that moment where he spun around and tried to take Nick down that he caught that light tube right in the fucking neck. Because Nick wasn't prepared for that. So the light tube was in a position to carve David's face open and to do it for the crowd, you know, to kind of show it and work it a little bit. So he's just holding out that sharp edge there. Our cat turns around, boom, catches it right in the fucking neck. And Nick said and others have said that, oh, it wasn't that bad and he was just being a pussy. Others maintain the dude almost died. He could have had blood splurting out of his fucking neck. They didn't actually see it. Gosh, I don't think it might have, actually. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Point being, we got a couple different sides of this story. David Arquette just didn't belong in there. I, I am a full fan of David Arquette. I support him. I'm not a hater on him like a lot of people are. It wasn't his choice to be champion. In fact, he d- declined it. He knew that it would outrage fans. And this whole fucking thing he was doing, I mean, was it for the documentary that he put out? Yes. But the reason behind the documentary was to redeem himself to the wrestling fans. He had unfinished business and he wanted to go out and finish it. He wanted to prove to the wrestling fans that not only could he do it, and but he wanted to earn the respect of the wrestling fans. No, he wasn't going to be a top guy. No, he wasn't going to be good, but he was going to try his ass off and prove that he tried and earn it and do a little movie on the side to, to film it and make money off the whole thing. But regardless, doesn't matter. And I get wanting to add a true death match to that list. Like, okay, I want to earn respect. I'm going to go out and work a bunch of indie matches. But how do I really show that I have love for this? That I'm willing to put my body on the line just like the rest of these guys. I'm not a prissy-ass actor who's just coming out there and just fucking playing wrestlers still. I want to go out there and just bleed and die like everybody else in a death match. And if you're going to do a death match, if you just pick one deathmatch that you're going to have for your entire life, you can't go wrong picking Nick fucking Gage to be your opponent in a deathmatch. But you got to know what you're getting into. Because, yes, I do think a huge chunk of Nick Gage is a work as far as playing up the character. I think that character's in there. Don't get me wrong. It's his character turned up to not even to 11. It's his character turned up to, like... Just three more points than it already is, you know? Like, that guy's in there. That guy's not somebody you want to fuck with. That's one thing I I think I've gotten pretty clear out of getting to know him a little bit, is he's going to be one of the more real guys that you run into out there in the quote-unquote fake world of professional wrestling. But he's still playing up the gimmick. He's not going to kill you. It's not his intention to go out and murder somebody or maim him. And he wasn't going out there to to be a douchebag and, oh, who's this guy think he is coming into our wrestling business? I'm going to show him. It wasn't that either. But what it was, was, okay, we can do this, but I'm not going to take it easy on you. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to fight you just like I would fight any other guy in any other death match. I'm not going to pull my punches. I'm not gonna not carve your face off with a light tube. You want a death match? Here's your fucking death match, bro. I'll take care of you, but I'm also gonna fuck you up. And our cat just shouldn't have been in that situation. He he got in too deep. It was somebody who's just learning to swim and goes, "I'm gonna jump off the fucking boat in the middle of the ocean now." Probably not the best idea. But for all of that and all the other shit surrounding Nick Cage. He's earned my respect. I do think what he does to me is kind of garbage wrestling. I I did like it at a time. You know, when I was younger, I was into that shit. I think we all kind of, if we came across deathmatch wrestling, uh, at, especially like in our teenage years and that kind of thing, that that does become interesting to us. But as an adult, when you start to realize like, hey, these guys aren't getting paid very much, and they're kind of like... Just shitty, dumpy, bummy people, white trash trailer park, fucking, you know. Not trying to stereotype people. I'm not trying to knock anybody, but it is. It fucking is. ECW was, and this was an extension of that. But it is an art form nonetheless. Guys on the elite level, like a Nick Cage, they're not just going out there and just hitting each other over the head with shit the whole match. They are telling a story, they are being workers. And for some wrestlers this is the only type of match that they can wrestle. For others this is the only type of match that really gets their blood going. Look at it, John Moxley. He's an elite level professional wrestler. Champion of the WWE twice I think, right? Twice. Champion of AEW, champion in New Japan. He was in the Shield for fuck's sakes. John Moxley is a big big star. But what gets his cock hard is ultraviolence. He likes the deathmatch shit. And a lot of people do. I know people who, who enjoy a good deathmatch. I know deathmatch wrestlers who love it. It's fun for them. Syringes in the mouth and every fucking thing. I've seen it all. Nick Gage is the king of that world. Like it or not, like that world or not, is it your kind of wrestling? Are you going to watch it? Maybe, maybe not. But Nick Gage is the man in that world. He's not somebody to be fucked with. He is a little bit rough around the edges, but I think, you know, deep down, we, he's a wrestling fan. He's a big softy. He listens to these wrestling podcasts just like the rest of us. He's a normal dude. He's a crazy dude. He's just kind of a scary dude, but he's also a normal dude. And uh, I just, I got nothing but respect for the man after this week of Nick Cage and getting to know him better. And uh, hey, man! I hope to see more from him. I hope that when him and Moxley do work their angle, because they are working an angle. I hope that uh, I hope that blows him up. I hope that he gets good exposure for it. Even maybe even a crossover into AEW. Believe it or not, Nick Gage does do normal wrestling matches. You can go out on YouTube right now. Uh, I found a promo of that he cut on Matt Riddle for a match. I don't. I couldn't find the match itself. But he was talking about working Matt Riddle. He's got a match working Tessa Blanchard. He's got a match working MJF. So he's not just a garbage wrestler guy. He can do normal shit, too. And, you know, he's similar to, like, an Eddie Kingston, I think. Uh, you know, just another buddy bro that could pop up in AEW. Hey, I'm just fantasy bucking here. But, uh, you know, I'm rambling at this point. Much love to Nick Gage. Much love to Dark Side of the Ring, and and go listen to this interview or watching on YouTube with Chris Van Vliet. It's fucking fascinating. It's charming. You see a man. Nick Gage is very closed off. You know he's not he's not used to this world. He's got that he he, he acts like somebody who's done a lot of hard time. You know you, you see people in print that come out of prison. They're skittish. Uh, they're they're uncomfortable. Of, around people till they can warm up they're weary you know Nick's rocking around in his chair a lot he's got at one point chris comments hey i see you got a monster energy drink there and a knife you carry that on the plane did ya nick's like no man no i didn't carry it on the plane but you got to keep a knife with you i always stay with a knife okay then you can just set that on the table next to your monster energy drink during our interview But he, uh, as the course of the interview went on, he started to get more comfortable and he started to unwind a little bit, and I think they really made a connection, and I think he connected with all of us. Please, go check that out. Uh, If you haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend, most recommended podcast episode of this entire week. Go check it out. That's Chris Van Vliet's Insight, wherever your podcasts or YouTube videos are found. So there were more releases for WWE this week, this time on the NXT side of things. Most notably, Jessamine Duke of the Four Horsewomen. You might remember her most from being one of the two MMA lackeys that accompanied Shayna Baszler in her NXT run. She's gone. She's out of there, out of the WWE system, along with Drake Wirtz. The orange referee that we are all so familiar with for a number of years in NXT. Drake Younger, he goes by. Or a little-known fact that he's actually Drake the Rapper as well. And now Velveteen Dream. Also cut from the roster amongst a handful of others. Alexander Wolf of Imperium. Other people that aren't as impactful. But, uh, man, I mean... Starting with Jessamine Duke, like, to me, she must, I, I mean, who knows, right? We. It's hard to tell. Um, they weren't, neither one of them were really ever that great a wrestlers, so she may just not be picking up on it all that much, or maybe she has a bad attitude or an ego, who knows? But, you know, for her to not be kept around just for the sake of her name value as an MMA performer... And to, you know, her connection with Ronda Rousey. You know, that should have been worth enough to keep her around as is. But, you know, who knows why they do the things that they do over at the NXT. Uh, But one of them where we are pretty positive we know why they do what they did was uh, Drake Wurtz here. Uh, Now, apparently, he was a very well-liked guy uh, by all accounts all the way up until... Probably around the election time, it sounds like, where he just kind of went off the rails a little bit, so to speak, and maybe let his uh, political views get in the way of everything else in his entire life. And I I understand that this is kind of, you know, affected on a, on a life level. You know, people have gone a little crazy on both sides of the aisle. You know, it's a nutty world out there and people are very passionate about their beliefs, they're believies. And I think Drake's just one of those people, you know. Uh, and I think by all accounts, he was starting to kind of bring all that into the locker room. And not only that, but he was bringing his connection with WWE out to the public and using that while he's appearing publicly wearing like NXT stuff, being outspoken and. I do believe in the right to be outspoken in this country, but I also believe that if you're going to work for a publicly traded company and you're going to work around a whole bunch of people, it's best to not to either just kind of keep your stuff to yourself or at the very least not mix the two, not make comments to people backstage, not preach to people, not appear in your work gear while you're out. Like If I'm going to go protest some shit or be a dick out in public about something, I'm not going to wear my work shirt to go do it, right? I'm not going to walk out there with my Burger King uniform, my Burger King hat all tucked in, ready to go flip whoppers and then go talk about this and that on the TV news or at city councils or wherever the fuck he's saying, whatever the fuck. So I get this has been kind of a long time coming for him. A lot of people have been uncomfortable with him lately. This is just what we hear out on the streets. I think Sean Ross Sap's been on top of that story for a while, um, but we've heard it in other places as well, just kind of confirming those sentiments. You know, the observers said that as well. So um, that's kind of where that one's coming from. But, you know, he's been there a long, long time, and it is, it is a bit of a shock. Both a shock that he was released and a shock that he's kind of turned into this personality backstage that is cringy to other people. So, uh, hopefully, all that works out for everybody. You know, um, never want to see anybody lose their job. The other big name here, and uh, no disrespect to like an Alexander Wolf or some of the other people that were released, but Velveteen Dream is gone from NXT. This one took quite a while, um, not to stir up old shit or be dramatic over here, but some of you may or may not remember why he was kind of taken off a TV in the first place. There were some accusations floating around out there that seemed to hold some legitimacy, but... There was enough plausible deniability there to where WWE wasn't just going to outright fire the guy. I don't know if this comes as a result of results from that case where they were able to kind of prove, did something happen that we're not aware of where they proved that there was something to that story or was this just a matter of, Hey, the guy hasn't been on TV in like a year anyway, so let's just let him go. Um, because why this one to me is so shocking not shocking because of all that that we just talked about but what a talent i mean you have to admit that velveteen dream was like your guy in nxt for a little while maybe not your favorite but you loved a velveteen dream match from the character like the flamboyant character with the you never know what it's going to be on his ring gear to the the, the ability to hold his own in the ring and put on some of the better matches at NXT TakeOvers. The charisma, the character, the energy, the vibe. like And you knew from watching him, and if you saw him in Tough Enough, that he has a passion for this. He's a wrestling fan like the rest of us. But he may or may not have done some dirty shit. And for that, he may have just gotten the ax. I don't think if you're just looking to cut the budget and you're looking for guys. I mean, other than the fact that he hasn't wrestled for you in a year anyway, and you've been just fine. So what's it going to hurt to lose him? But I think there, there must be more to it. And this is purely speculation, but I don't let go of a Velveteen dream if I have doubts that the story is true. You know, if I think he's innocent and it's all bullshit, And we just need to kind of keep you off TV to lay low for a little while. That's sort of what I thought was going on. But now that he's been cut, like, I wouldn't cut Velveteen Dream unless I knew that he was doing something dirty or that it wasn't looking good for him. Because he's that talented. He's that much of a character. Had that not happened, he'd probably already be on WWE TV by now. He probably would have already gotten the call up to the main roster. Now he's back out on the streets. And if there was implications, if this was related to some facts surfacing as it relates to his accused accusations, then that's going to hurt him getting a job anywhere else, too. Because Tony Khan's sure as fuck not going to hire him because he's more woke than Vince is by a mile. You know, he won't even let Hulk Hogan's wife in the building and she doesn't even know what AEW is. So bad news for the dream. I feel for the guy, but at the same time, if he did what he did, then you get what you get, and that's, uh, you know, then I don't feel for him as much. But let's just keep an eye on this, because I am still seeing out there on the internet that there are rumors that there are possibly more cuts still to come. Velveteen was a couple days after the rest of these guys, so maybe he was one of those other cuts, and, you know, by the time... I'm done recording this. There may be more, and there may be more before this gets posted. So let's monitor this. Let's see where this goes. And uh, hey, man, budget cuts. WWE, it's a tough times. Got to get those water coolers out of the hallways. And we got to fire two dozen people. This week on Sammy Guevara's vlog, he was confronted by the Young Bucks. After plugging a foam championship belt of the Sammy Guevara's vlog title, which is the BTE title from the Young Bucks BTE show. After he won it, he took it over to his own vlog, slapped a sticker on it, held it hostage over on his vlog for a while. Now he's selling foam belts. Well, the Young Bucks didn't appreciate that. They saw this as gimmick infringement at the highest level. Check out this clip.
3: I just want to say big thank you to everybody out there who got the uh, the vlog belt foam belts. Uh, these sold really well. There's a few of them left, so definitely make sure to go pick them up. Uh, man, these Whoa. absolutely. Whoa.
1: Whoa. Whoa. Ma- Hang on, wait a minute. Why are you filming a, a bit in the elite office? The yeah. Well, room? What are you doing? doing? It's, it's just sitting right there. And what is this? This looks like a ripoff of the title that was. Very prestigious. Before oh, the, you stole it, the and belt that they buried took it your show. The belt that they buried. The belt that nobody cares about yeah. anymore. Oh. To your show. Your ripoff show, by the way. now you're making it, your merchandise. B- BTE Dark, I like to call uh, it. Yeah, this is the BTE Dark show. Yeah, right? uh, it's. Where's our royalties yeah, where's our for that? At least. You know what, here, hold You on. guys have a lot of money. Here, hold on. We do. On. We do. Oh, I just sent you a season assist. Remember when they used to do that to us? Oh no. I've become the guy. Oh no. You either you, li- oh, you either live a... long enough uh, to be the hero or you die. To be the uh, villain. The villain. The Batman. And quote wait, quote wait a minute. Hey, oh, get the Joker right. quote. Hey, hold on. God. What is this? Are that's, you going to put this on that Wait, blog? is that a maskless fuego behind that the is Are you yes. putting this on the vlog? you Are yeah. going to put this on the vlog? Where's yeah. our royalty for well, your show? What? No. Ubito huh? no. doesn't even pay. There's no way. I need to
3: mon- monetize. I need a couple dollars.
0: BTE Dark. That's fucking funny. This is why I love the side shows. The Young Bucks are the shit. They're playing up this heel gimmick. Uh, you know, they're doing it, try it kind of sort of more straight faced on TV. But over on BTE, they're just having all kinds of fun with being heels. But here it was a surprise to see they invaded Sammy's vlog. The two don't really cross paths all that much. Uh, the only real crossing of the paths was just the fact that Sammy had the BTE title which was just a, you know, if you don't watch BTE, they just had a championship belt made for the show BTE where they did little backstage, like, uh, competitions and shit. Uh, It was held by John Silver for a while, and then I don't remember who else maybe had it somewhere along the way, but Sammy won it, took it over to his vlog. And now we got this great segment with the Young Bucks just slapping Guevara with a copyright claim and a cease and desist and all that fun stuff. Great shit, great content. Cody Rhodes is over there now. Uh, of course, you know, we've been hearing little rumors and tidbits lately that Cody and the Bucks and Kenny don't really get along all that much, that the Elite and Cody aren't really seeing eye-to-eye eye all that much these days. You know, the executive vice president, mega powers explode backstage. So Cody's no longer on BT. He's over on Sammy's vlog. Along with a whole bunch of other fun people. It's great shit, better than BTE, but it was super fun to see the Young Bucks crash the party and slap that cease and desist out there. Great shit, great content. Go watch it, go check it out, go watch it all. It's all great, it's all good shit, I promise. We got the new A&E biography this week of the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. HBK fifth in a series of biographies, starting with Stone Cold Steve Austin, then Roddy Piper, then that hit piece on the Macho Man, then Booker T, and now Shawn Michaels. Of course, this one followed the career just as the other ones did. This one, in my opinion, probably the best yet. The best of the bunch. This is just my opinion. You might like the Roddy Piper one better. If you do, fuck you, you're wrong, but to each his own. We all have our opinions. I thought they did, in all seriousness, I thought they did really good with this one. I thought it was a great story. I thought that they told it honestly. They didn't really pull too many punches. Um, You know, there is some contradictions out there. Some people that would say some things a little different. But for the most part, this was pretty straight shooting. You know, Michaels very readily admits that. He was a complete and total asshole back in the day. And everybody else says the same thing. People fucking hated Shawn Michaels. Like, hated Shawn Michaels. He was a dick. Like, a big-time dick. Like, he would go out of his way to be a dick to you. He would say the most dickish, prickish, rudest, fucking, cocky, arrogant, stupid things. And he would... Say him with no regard for fuck your feelings, right? And the cocky little bastard could back it up in the ring, which was the only saving grace that he had for everybody just not murdering him. You hear all these stories about guys getting put in their place in the locker room, getting made to dress outside, or being taken to wrestler's court. None of that was done with the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels that we're aware of. Nobody beat him up other than Bret Hart. He just got away with whatever the fuck he wanted, and he knew it, and he used it, and he worked the system, and the show talks a lot about just how he was such a good young man. This was a really, I never knew much about Shawn Michaels' origin. He was a good, well-to-do young military boy, and then he met this fucking dirty, rotten, no good, scummy party every night. Fucking another bitch every night. Doing drugs. Marty Janetti. And Marty took young Sean under his wing and corrupted him. He held Sean Michaels down and shoved spoonfuls of cocaine up his nose till he was addicted. He talks about fucking the same girls. Trashing hotel rooms. Smashing shit over their faces. These guys were the definition of... Of '80s partiers, and you got to remember, back in the '80s, this was the lifestyle. This was the same for anybody like in the metal scene, like the like the rockers. This was no different than anything that would happen on a fucking at a Motley Crue show, for example, or out at the fucking whiskey a go go on a Friday night. It was just what the '70s and the '80s were all about: sex, drugs, rock and roll. It was the rockers; they lived it. Poor Shawn Michaels was corrupted into it by Marty Jannetty, but hey, we're splitting hairs now at this point. Rockers went on to achieve great indie success in a very short time. They weren't together all that long before they were already on WWE's radar. They were already AWA Tag Team Champions. And I'm not going to sit and recap his whole fucking career, but to me that was the highlight right there. Just that Marty was the one who corrupted him And, and proud of it too. He doesn't really regret it. Um, then just up through his asshole years as champion and all the games that he played with the lost his smile and my leg hurts and my back hurts and all that shit to finally finding redemption through his wife, finding God, finding religion, learning how to be at peace with himself, be at peace with everybody else and just learning to be a good dude and Anybody that talks about Shawn Michaels that knew him then and knows him now will tell you that he's basically two different people. There was pre-back injury Shawn and there was post-back injury Shawn. And they are not the same person. There's a story that Shawn talks about in there where he told Triple H at one point that he should have just killed himself, took a bunch of pills, and overdosed after WrestleMania 10. He would have been the biggest star in wrestling history. Well, he didn't have to kill himself, and he was able to become the biggest star in wrestling history. I think, well, maybe not the biggest star, but certainly the best worker, the most respected. Some people will argue Flair. I don't think anybody would argue that Bret's better than Shawn, but his name's up there. Um, Steamboat's up there. He gets mentioned a lot, but I think pretty universally Shawn Michaels is noted as being the greatest in-ring wrestler ever in the history of ever. He did get to go down as a legend in the wrestling business. And honestly, like, I had thought about this, too. Had he stayed out of the wrestling business after the back injury, after losing the Stone Cold at WrestleMania 14, he would have been remembered and probably still been a Hall of Famer, but he would have been not anywhere near as big a deal as he is now. He had a whole second run when he came back. Bigger, longer maybe even than his, not longer than his first, but certainly better, more notable. He had a phenomenal career. All of his best matches took place, with the exception of a couple. All of his very best matches took place on his second run, of course. You know, the ladder match, the Iron Man match, blah, blah, blah. Think about it. His matches with The Undertaker, his match with Ric Flair... His matches with Triple H, his amazing tag team match uh, against Kane and The Undertaker over in Saudi Arabia. I mean, come on, man. No, but for real, Kurt Angle. I mean, phenomenal Hall of Fame level career just after the back injury. Put them together more than worthy of being called the greatest of all time. And like I said, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but I really think that this was just... Probably the best documentary that A&E has put together so far. If you're not watching these, go check them out. If you haven't seen this one yet, or you weren't sure if you were going to, go check it out. It's a great story. It's fun to hear. It's fun to see Marty and hear him talk about all the drugs and the bitches. It's fun to see The Undertaker call him a little prick. It's fun to see Vince talk about wanting to punch him in the face. It's just all great shit. Go check it out. Zombies? Goddamn zombies? I can't even do it justice. Check out this clip from the Busted Open podcast. Dave LaGreca goes on an epic rant about fucking zombies. Check this out.
2: Do you feel like you owe the nation an apology? Oh, no. I don't owe the nation an apology. I mean, that's taking it a little too far, don't you think, Bully? Uh, you're Dave LaGreca. You yes. created Busted Open, yes, a I show did. that talks nonstop pro wrestling. Last night, the biggest wrestling company. That in wasn't the pro world, wrestling put last on a- night. That wasn't pro wrestling. Stop you right there. That was not pro that's, wrestling last night. What I saw in on. that ring that with the a- Miz and no, Damian Priest no, 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 was not pro wrestling. No, no. That was what Vince McMahon's before- version of sports hold entertainment on, in that ring. It was. On. No, let me finish. Let me finish. That hold was him on. collecting. A- hold- Even Batista, whose movie is promoted, didn't watch that shit. Batista's like, fuck you. Go talk to Vince. So I'm not, no, I'm not apologizing to anybody. Enough's enough. I had it up to here. I had it up to here and I turned it off. Then I felt better about it. Then I felt better about it. Spent time with my wife. Spent time with my child. The nation depends on us. Sometimes you got to take a stance. Why do I have to, why do I have to pay? Peacock is a paid service. Why do I have to pay to watch shit? I don't have to do it. If I don't like it, you know what? I have the choice and I'm going to turn it off. I deserve better than what they put in that fucking ring during that match between Damian Priest, who just came up from NXT, and I think is a future superstar. The Miz, who's a former world champion, deserves more than pretending to get eaten by zombies in a fucking ring. 65 years from now... People are going to be talking about that fucking shit that I had to pay to watch at WrestleMania Backlash where fucking zombies are attacking the wrestlers and Adnan Virk is explaining to me what a zombie is. I don't have to take that shit.
0: Shakes my head. You can't see me, but you can tell that my head's shaking back and forth and back and forth. The fuck, man? Zombies? This just shortly after supposedly a demon doll made an MMA legend's leg quiver to the ground. Now, look, I'm not a booker. Nobody pays me to put together wrestling shows. So, what the fuck do I know? But I can tell you that I don't think zombies need to be playing a factor in the finish of a fucking match with a guy on the rise. With the potential star power of a fucking Damien Priest. He's one of the few untainted new guys. Don't fuck him up. He's got potential. Leave him alone. Don't book zombies in his match. Can you do that? Can, we, can you book him in a match that doesn't have zombies? Or bunny wrappers? Can we do that? I don't know. I'm just one guy. I don't know what to do, guys. I don't know what to do. It was collision in Korea this week on Dark Side of the Ring, and the boys from Dark Side of the Ring were on the dark side of the podcast with Conrad Thompson, talking all about the collision in Korea. This giant event, the biggest wrestling event in the history of the world, took place over in North Korea in 1995. Headlined by the nature boy Ric Flair and Antonio Inoki. To a crowd of people forced to be there at gunpoint. Or risk penalty of death. You sit there and you like it. Of course nobody liked it. Nobody said a thing. Nobody reacted. Nobody cared. Nobody even knew what it was. But that's not the story here. The story is that the North Koreans are fucked in the head. And poor Scott Norton... Poor little old harmless,
1: innocent, sweet cheeks Scott Flash Norton. Check this out. Truly, you're right. The plane definitely is where the anxiety started. When the when the passports got snatched, though, was when the temper the temper was going hot. He was running hot then. But um, one thing he told us is the North Korean handlers would would like when they wanted your attention or they wanted to tell you something or or, or reprimand you in some way, they would just snatch you by the arm like that, like just grab you like that. And uh, Scott was so hot at that. And he actually told a story of where one guy, one of the North Korean guards was doing that. And he just like hip tossed the guy, just like literally just and like hip tossed this North Korean handler. And everybody around him was just like, uh, you know, and this is a constant thing where like Masa was coming over to Scott being like, Scott, you got to keep it cool, man. So I think like over the course of this whole thing is like trying to like cool down scott and i think it really took until they brought him into a fucking windowless dungeon you know and fucking showed him some guns this is when they actually he finally <laughs> got the message dragged down to the dungeon
0: no windows no phones nobody knows you're there nobody cares they will just as soon as shoot you dead and feed you to their poor people than let you walk out the door safe and healthy. They don't care. It's North Korea. It is a whole other planet over there. Of course, I've never been there, but... You know, there's the interview movie and things like that, so I'm educated, you know? But in all reality, that had to be absolutely terrifying. I've heard the story before. Eric wrote about it in his book, and then uh, he also did a full podcast on it on uh, 83 Weeks, but... Dark Side of the Ring went into more detail and uh, all the reenactments and everything. It was good shit. It was good to hear the story. Definitely a uh, wild story from the history of pro wrestling. Like, if you're writing the book on the history of pro wrestling, the world's largest pro wrestling event held in North Korea absolutely ranks up on that list. Scott Norton, lucky to be alive making it out of there, as well as Scott Steiner, Two Cold Scorpio, and a handful of other guys that could barely keep it together. If you haven't watched this episode, go check it out. Go check out all the episodes of Dark Side of the Ring. Then go on to listen to Dark Side of the Podcast where the boys that make the show break it down with Conrad Thompson that is appearing on the Jeff Jarrett Newsfeed this year. And whatever you do, don't forget to pledge your allegiance to God Emperor Doom Jung Il. That's right. The greatest ass in the business no not billy Gunn. i'm talking about ty conti was on aew unrestricted this week hey don't judge me fuck off and she was talking about not feeling comfortable in her previous job whatever that was right where did she work before aew i'm unsure but she didn't like it there check out this clip
1: uh talk about your release from uh, wwe in april of 2020.
0: so
6: that was like a long story that okay we got know, time
1: <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah <laughs> so you know to make it better and quick it pretty much like i was asking for my release okay for a couple months i was not happy i was so like unhappy there that i didn't have any plans i was just like i want to get out of here i'm not happy and those I, I never thought about like, ooh, what am I gonna do if they give me my release? I never thought about it. I was like, I just need to be done with them, right? And then of course they did they said no a couple of times. We were having like a bunch of meetings and then, you know, trying to talk with my previous boss and then with the officer, trying to figure it out things, and I was like, Nope, I'm just done. Please let me go. So the last one, they told me, like, no, you're not going. And then they mentioned AW. I remember, like, they asked me, like, they told me, like, no, you're not going to go to AW. Like, we put a, a a lot of money on you, you a storm, blah, 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 blah. Then now you got to go there. I'm like, oh, yes, you guys don't use me here. So, yeah. And I was like, no, it's OK. I'm going to make it like two more years. I'm going to keep working. I have no choice. Right. <laughs> And then we decide to keep working and then everything was good. We got like in a good terms, but I was not expecting the call since we were okay. Right. So they told me like, yeah, uh, we are finally letting you go. Not in a, you know, really good. Um, how to explain that without being too mean, like they're not too nice.
1: No, they're
0: not. We get (laughs) it. We understand. Hey, I think she's one of wrestling's greatest success stories. Who knows where she's going to top out at, right? I'm not saying she's great, but she is so vastly improved from when she was released just a year ago. Right? We talked about all these WWE releases again this week. Ty Conti was there last year. That was her name. And now look at her now. She has vastly improved. She is so much better than she was over there. And she can only get better if she's applying herself to this. She's already having world title matches on TV and holding her own. She's getting respect from the fans. They enjoy her matches. She's actually good enough to watch. Which she's green as goose shit. She's brand new to this still. Imagine where she can be. You know, we've seen some of the all-time greats in WWE, as far as women wrestlers who have came in as models off the street and actually made a fair fucking run of themselves, Trish Stratus right at the top of that list. So Ty Conti's doing great. She's doing great for herself. She's a success story. Uh, you know, one year ago she was on a big long list of releases that you barely even heard of, and now look at her now. There's people on this list of WWE releases that I've never heard of, that you've never heard of, that you've seen once or twice on NXT. Developmental talent. Where are they going to land? Who's going to rise to the top? She's living proof that you can do that. She's living proof that getting released from WWE, even at the developmental level where you are a nothing, even that low, You can rise up and make something of yourself. You can be fighting for a women's championship on national television. You could. Same goes for the dudes. Check out AEW Unrestricted every single Thursday with Aubrey Edwards and your man, wrestling's dad, the the, uh, Bob Saget of professional wrestling. Conrad said it once, and it's just, once you hear that, you just, it, connects right bob saget of professional wrestling wrestling's dad tony Schiavone. he is he fucking is good old shinsuke nakamura made an appearance on oral sessions this week with renee paquette talking all things wrestling of course including making the transition from new japan over to america food eating placenta that kind of stuff you know But I did pluck this clip out. I found it very interesting that Shinsuke Nakamura still finds wrestling a bit difficult. At least learning the American style or even WWE style. Check this out.
4: I'm still struggling in uh, wrestling.
7: Do you feel that you're struggling?
4: Yes, still. Why? Coming to US and coming to WWE is uh, challenging. I came to challenge myself. That's why I'm here.
7: What do you think are the things that you need to improve upon to get the success that you're looking to have? I mean, you've been able to do so much already. I mean, you've won a Royal Rumble. You've been able to go on in main event a WrestleMania. You've had a ton of success, but it's not the success that you're looking for.
4: I'm waiting to find right timing or right moment.
7: Is there somebody that you see that you would have a really great feud with? Ah,
4: uh, not yet. I can, I can wrestle anybody.
7: What are your like conversations with Vince like?
4: I I don't pitch ideas to him a lot. We talk only after the match a little bit, or uh, before the match uh, if he have. The idea for my promo,
7: it's hard to pick Vince's brain at TV sometimes because he's so busy with so many different things. It's really hard to get that time sometimes to feel like you can develop that relationship and, and have that quality time with with Vince. It can be difficult.
0: I need to
4: get used
0: to that.
7: Yeah, it's not easy,
0: dude. Nothing but respect for Shinsuke Nakamura. He speaks great English. He had to learn all that shit to come over here. He's trying to learn it and speak it the best that he can for his company because they're all about the promos. They don't like people who can't talk. He's trying his best to convert to the American style to the WWE style because God knows Vince is a goddamn weirdo and he has very specific things that he expects out of his wrestlers. One of them is to not be a Japanese guy. Even if you're from Japan... You're one of the biggest stars in Japan. People love you for your Japanese guy Japan style because you're from Japan and one of the biggest stars over there. Come over here and I'll work like Miz. Do it. Work like them. It's not fair. It's hard. But the money's there. You know, they don't pay you to come over and be Shinsuke Nakamura. They pay you to play a Shinsuke-esque character. On this WWE TV show. Where everybody should hopefully wrestle all the same. And they're all completely interchangeable. None of them matter. None of them get over. None of them actually build up a win over the other person. Because they'll just get it back next week. None of the storylines are ever actually entertaining. But dude, we're going to pay you so much money. That's what the WWE is, and it's been a very hard transition, and I'm shocked that Shinsuke stuck around as long as he did. I would have thought as soon as his first contract was up, he would have booked his ass right back to Japan, like, fuck this shit. Went over there, I did it, tried, did okay, I worked for WWE, but, you know, it's not my place. No, he is determined. This man... Is going to continue to work at his craft to be the best that he can in the WWE. And you gotta respect that. You have to. The man, it's not, I mean, just imagine having to go over to any other country where they don't speak your language. Where they don't look like you. Go to Japan, for example. I was hesitant to use Japan because they actually like Americans over there and they're fairly Americanized. It would probably you'd probably just do fine over there. China. Try China, okay? A little bit more difficult, possibly, while you're over there. You got to learn the culture. You got to learn to speak the way that they speak. You got to learn to do things the way that they do things. And this is expected of you. We know that you're going to have a learning curve, but we don't give a shit all that much. We expect you to learn real fucking quick. He's had to change his whole life for all of this, and he's done great. He's not at the bottom of the card He's not buried. He's already won a Royal Rumble. He's already been in a championship match at WrestleMania. United States champion, NXT champion. By all accounts, he's successful as fuck over here. He's achieved more than most people will ever be able to do in 20, 30 years of wrestling in America. So props to Shinsuke. Props to all his effort. But, uh you want to hear more about the placenta eating and things like that go check out this interview oral sessions with Renee Paquette thank you guys once again for checking out the podcast I fucking love you guys I appreciate you so much you have no idea what your listenership means to me I see the listenership going up I can see that there's more people that are catching on to the podcast I hope you guys like it. I hope you like what I do because I do it for you. Whether you'll agree with me, whether you'll disagree with me. It's besides the point. We're all here to be wrestling fans together to share our thoughts and opinions. I'm always interested in what you guys got to say. Feel free to leave comments in the comments if you're watching on YouTube. We got the full episodes on there as well as clips of some of the highlights from the show. You can also find me on social media at Seth Grimes Media. Sometimes I tweet. Sometimes I post. Sometimes I tweet and post. Sometimes I don't post shit. But I would like you to like me and follow me and be there for me if I decide I want to share something with you. Tell your friends. Tell your grandma. Let everybody know that the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast is the shit or it's just kind of okay listen to this kind of okay guy. He'll get better over time, I promise. He's new. I appreciate all the love. I appreciate you guys listening, taking the time to listen to this show. Got all the likes and subscribes and follows and all that out of the way. I don't have anything else. I I think that pretty well covers it. I'm going to go lay outside and sweat because it's a heat wave right now. And uh, I appreciate that because it used to be a cold wave. And, hey, man, I'm just living my life, okay? Don't judge me. Peace, love, and pizza. I'm Seth Grimes, and this has been the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast.